Hello, my fellow sovereigns. I am so excited to bring you the second half of the Next Level University podcast host, the amazing Alan Lazarus. Alan, Kevin, um, and my husband Spike and I and our friend Summer Scalero, we were all in a podcast mastermind for years. And the thing that I loved about Alan is that he his brain works differently than mine and yet similarly. So we both came from having some experiences in our background and in our past, um, similar experiences uh, growing up. And he and I think very strategically. He is like, when I want to direct someone toward like tactile, like you want a, a, a list of a strategy broken down into tiny pieces that you can implement step by step, he is your guy. And a fellow personal development junkie who is taking his life to the next level in every way, I admire his courage and his dedication like this both Alan and Kevin are insanely dedicated to their own personal development and growth and that is why I wanted to bring these two onto the princess and the beast specifically because when you start thinking at a next level when you start operating with your productivity, your habits, your determination, your commitment to the vision. That is what these guys do every day from the early morning hours until late at night. And I have to say, from having seen Alan grow in the past just couple years, you will hear him talk about on many of his podcast episodes, the compound effect. And when you are thinking of the compound effect, there is a curve and there's a tipping point where the work that you've put in, suddenly the multiplication, it has exponential growth. But in the beginning stages, you're not seeing that. In the beginning stages, it doesn't seem like that compound effect is happening that much. But I will say this, these guys are at the tipping point. Alan and Kevin are at the tipping point for exponential, like they are already hitting exponential growth. They are only going up from here. And I love seeing that. I love seeing the fact that I was there in the beginning on their journey, not in the super beginning, but in the in the early stages, seeing their immense growth as business owners, as men, as as podcast hosts and the standards that they both hold themselves to is, well, there's no other way to say it, but next level. So with that, I bring you the second half of the Next Level University podcast, host and peak performance business consultant and coach, Alan Lazarus. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Hello, Alan. It is so good to see your face and to be chatting with you today on The Princess and the Bee. I am so honored to have you here. How are you? Kim, I am very, very well. I have momentum. I feel like I'm in a phase in my life where everything feels like it's getting in gear. I've been very focused on the essentials. Uh, the first thing I want to say really quickly is, first of all, thank you for having me. Secondly, the last conversation that we had, and I don't know what you've shared with your audience about this, but the last conversation that we've had about codependence has really helped me 
transform my life and my relationship with close family members and different things like that. So I just want to say again, the awareness that you've helped me understand has really changed my life. And I don't just say that. I, I know I keep giving you that, but it means a lot. I think we meet a lot of people in life and we learn things from everybody, but there's certain people who really help shape who we become. And I just want to say to your entire audience that the things you've made me aware of have really helped me lean into who I am, more of who I am. So I just want to lead with that. Thank you so much for having me. It is such an honor. Oh my gosh. I receive all of that. Thank you so much. So Alan, you have a top 100 podcast with Kevin. We just had Kevin on and tell us about the journey that got you to where you are. I mean, I know I, you and I have masterminded for a while in the past. And so I know a bit of the journey, but, but share with us your perspective. Okay. So I have a long version and I have a short version. Uh, I'm going to give you the, the medium one. So when I was two years old, my father passed away in a car accident when he was 28 years old. And so I definitely was born into a situation that was no stranger to adversity. And so I was raised by two women. So I have an older sister. She's three years older and I was raised by my mother. And the first part of my story really comes from, and again, one thing I do want to say quickly is that I'm 32 years old now. And every single year I sort of reread the book of my life from a higher sense of awareness. And what I've really done lately uh, on Father's Day, I was fishing actually at the home I grew up in with Kevin. Every Father's Day we spend together. And I was reflecting on my life and some of the memories in that home. And it's just wild to go back and reflect on your life from this new sense of awareness and, and then reinvest that sort of into the future. But I remember when I was like probably five to seven years old, I'm not exactly sure. My mom sat me down and she always explained things to me. She said, Alan, life is about choices. And I realized in hindsight, the reason she taught me this was because when my father passed away at 28, she was going to raise two children alone. And she realized that she didn't have very many choices. So what she taught me is this. She said, Alan, you can be a CEO or you can be a farmer. I'm going to love you either way. So important. But if you aim high to be a CEO, you'll have choices and you can decide one day that you want to be a farmer but it doesn't necessarily work the other way around. I told a story once, Kim, and someone said, don't be mean. Farmers make a lot of money. They work so hard. This is nothing against farmers. It's just the way my mom explained it to a seven-year-old. So fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. And I did. I took that to heart. I aimed very high. Fast forward. It's now eighth grade. And she said, Alan, I'm going to make a deal with you. If you promise me to get the president's award in high school, I'll let you take eighth grade off. Now, she doesn't mean take it off. It isn't I don't go to school. What she meant was you can kind of have fun. Just go have fun. Go enjoy yourself. You don't have to worry about academics so much. So if you look at my academic career, it was all A's and B's all for a long time. Then it was literally C's and D's and a couple B's. And then in high school, straight A's. I got one B plus in honors English the entire time. And so she took a chance on me and she made me promise that I'd get the president's award in high school. So the president's award is basically you need to get a 95 or above GPA, every single report card for all of high school. And I did that. That was actually really challenging. Fast forward a little bit more. As a matter of fact, let's really quickly rewind. I'm 10 years old. My uncle Merle, which is my mom's sister's husband, at the time was the track and field coach at a school called WPI, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. It's kind of like a mini MIT. Uh, There's like this running joke that WPI is basically like MIT. They're kind of like competing sort of, but MIT is the more famous one. So basically she said, Alan, you're really smart. I was really good at math and you're really smart. Really smart people go to WPI and your uncle Merle is the track and field coach there. As a matter of fact, it's called Norcross Field now, um, Merle Norcross. And she basically planted a dream in my heart to go to WPI. Alan, you're really smart. You're really good at math. You should be an engineer. Engineers make a lot of money. Engineers will have choices. Again, that's the theme here. Choices, choices, choices. So fast forward where it's 1 a.m. We're doing my, um, my essay to get into school. And we're actually talking about in the essay how she sat me down and told me life was about choices and how WPI is a choice and a dream and how I grew up in adversity and how my father passed away and how I never had a male role model and all of that. I get into WPI. I go to WPI. I'm an electrical and computer engineer. I actually fail my first engineering course, believe it or not. 
And I realized really quickly that straight A's in the small town of Uxbridge, Massachusetts does not translate to WPI quite as well as I had hoped. And I went from being the quote unquote smart kid to basically just another brain in this school of unbelievable brains. Fast forward, I actually stay for my MBA because I go and I'm basically working as an engineer and I'm literally working for a company called Tyco Safety Products. And I'm behind a, it was a summer internship. I'm behind a desk and I'm basically designing circuits. And I realized very quickly, like, okay, I'm a social person. Like I'm not going to sit behind a desk the rest of my life. So I say, okay, what am I going to do? So at the time, my hero was Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, I read his book back in 2014 and he was a huge hero of mine because he sort of changed the world. That's always been kind of my thing. I actually have a plaque in my room still with Steve Jobs quotes on it, two different ones that I'll share later. But I wanted to be a Fortune 50 CEO of a tech company, a billion dollar tech company like my hero, Steve Jobs. And if any of your listeners have not heard the 2005 Stanford address, that's the address that basically made him my hero, more so Mm -hmm. than the book. I remember the brick quote. I had that as one of the quotes that was on my computer for six years. Yeah, That was the only quote that I had on my computer, but yeah, it was a powerful one. The book was amazing. I'm curious, how did the identity shift of being the smartest kid in a small town to being one of many smart kids and failing your first engineering class, how did that identity shift impact you? Great question. I, in hindsight, I don't think I was ready for it. I was a big fish in a very small pond. You know, I was I was the one who was doing the um, ushering at the previous graduation when I was a junior because I was uh, straight A's or whatever. And then when I go- went to WPI, I was the one who in high school got the physics award. And I remember thinking to myself, I took physics at WPI. And within the first two weeks of WPI, we had already finished all of what I learned in high school. And I was freaking out, to be honest. I was absolutely freaking out. What I ended up doing, Kim is leaning into my strength. I have an engineering brain and I have a math brain and I am the guy who can go to Calc one through four without going to class and get straight A's. Genuinely, I'm that guy. But compared to some of these kids, I mean, many of my friends and roommates work at Apple, top secret, can't even talk about what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. Like I realized I'm going to lean into my strength because I can communicate. I can communicate effectively. And actually, it's interesting in hindsight, that's what Steve Jobs was doing too. He understood the technology as well as the engineers, but he could communicate it in a way that made it compelling, like a thousand songs. Yeah, exactly. Like a thousand songs in your pocket. Everybody knows I want that. They don't necessarily need to know how it works. And so that identity shift, I leaned into being social and I leaned into my strengths. I found the smartest people I could, Kim, and I befriended them. And then I helped them learn how to be social and they helped me get through engineering. But if basically I looked it up, 80% of fortune 50 CEOs, fortune 500 CEOs in America had an engineering undergrad with an MBA combination. And when I found that out, I was in, so I stayed for my MBA, I got my MBA and then I did a ton of job hopping. I worked for Oz development and Tyco Safety Products, I told you. iRobot, I worked at for a time. I started a little company called Campus Libre with my buddies at the time. So much soul searching, so much job hopping. Eventually, I landed a company called Cognex. This was the big turning point for me. So um, I did an inside sales team at Cognex. Then I was converted to or promoted to outside sales. I'm managing all of Western New England. I remember I was up in New Hampshire, 26 years old at the time. And I'm with my little cousin. We're going to TGI Fridays. And I'll never forget this. I was in a 2004 Volkswagen Passat. I thought the road stayed right. It actually stayed left. I ended up on the wrong side of the road, looked down at my GPS for a split second, look up, brightest lights I'd ever seen, huge lift kitted truck, head on collision. In my speeches, I usually show the car because it was absolutely totaled. Fortunately, my cousin and I are okay. He hurt his knee. I hurt my face on the airbag, but overall we were physically okay. He's 17, still had the invincibility. He was tweeting it. He didn't think anything of it. But for me, remember, my father passed away in a car accident when he was 28. I'm 26 at the time going, my car doesn't look very different than the, I've seen the pictures of my dad's car. And I, my whole childhood, I mean, I've heard stories about John, my dad. And for me, this messed me up, Kim. Like I was sitting in an armchair drinking whiskey, questioning my entire life. And now I live by this quote of, emotional pain is a guarantee. 
It's an absolute guarantee. What you do with it is not. And so I often say this, the stars are always there during the day, but we cannot always see them. Sometimes it takes the darkness to see clearly that which we simply could not within the light. And so I saw two things that I had never recognized before. One of them was a book by Bronnie Ware. She's actually from Australia. We've actually interviewed her. It's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I think I've recommended this book mm-hmm. to you before. Very familiar with that one. Okay. Beautiful book. So if you don't know Bronnie's story, worked in hospice for eight years with the terminally ill. She found these patterns of regret. I wish, I wish, I wish. I actually have a flashcard in my pocket right now. I've been carrying one. It has all five regrets. Number one regret of the dying is I wish I had lived a life true to myself, not what others expected of me. And I think so many of us are guilty of that growing up. I certainly was. And so that was the first star that I noticed. Um, and I actually wear this, this true north around my neck. It's mm-hmm. the north star it guides me for this quote. You so, have your north star, I have mine. <laughs> such twins. Yep. Twin. <laughs> twins. <laughs> Literally twins. Except for and, calculus was never my strong suit. Storytelling was. <laughs> okay, well, perfect. Well, I, I, I do storytelling as well. Um, but calculus is, is my jam, Kim. So, but anyways, um, I'm a weirdo. So I will totally pass you off to Declan because he loves his mathematics and arithmetic book. It's his favorite. He loves learning all the things about mathematics and arithmetic. And I'm, so I'm learning calculus by just teaching my four-year-olds. Kim, he's going to be very successful. <laughs> There's, if you were to take the statistical analysis of the globe of who is really good at math and how much wealth they create, trust me, there's a huge correlation. Um, so Declan's going to do just fine. That said, so the second thing was Tony Robbins' TED Talk. And I know you've seen it, Kim. So Tony Robbins' TED Talk for me was like life-changing because it was like, oh, I resonate so deeply with the way he breaks down the human condition into the six needs. And like, it finally clicked for me. So again, Tony Robbins has changed many people's lives, but for me, Bronnie Ware plus Tony Robbins, again, I just went all in on personal development after that, Kim. What is the, the primary need that you found through Tony Robbins six needs that is, is your driver? So growing up, it was significance. Mm -hmm. I had a stepfather who in hindsight, probably didn't, didn't consider me his son. So maybe that played a factor and, and I'm not going to go deep down that rabbit hole, but I do think that I always wanted to be valued and probably never fully was seen for, for, he was the hunter fisher gatherer guy, like the, the man's man boats and fishing and hunting and motorcycles. And, and I was like, not that at all. Genuinely. Uh, I'm still not, honestly, he could take a car apart and put it all back together. For me, I can take a business apart and put it back together, but that wasn't exactly valued. So that said, I think that significance used to drive me a lot and I think it still does, but I transformed after that to growth and contribution. And I believe that that self-actualization part of us and the self-transcending part of us, I believe is, is our highest self. And I think like Tony describes the needs of the human are basically certainty, uncertainty, significance, love, and connection. And when you when you focus on growth and contribution, you actually end up with those first four much, much more in a fulfilling, more abundant state. Whereas before, I think as a young boy, I was I was naturally chasing significance for sure. How does that rear its head from time to time as you've become more successful, as your podcast has grown, as your business has grown? How is that? Because I, I don't believe that it's really new level, new devils. I found that it's really or new level, same devil, just in a different form. And so how, how have those old devils revisited you from time to time in different ways as you've gone on your journey? Uh, Kim, so first of all, I agree with you. I think it's new level, old devils rearing their head again uh, at a new level. And I think that's the best way I've ever heard it articulated. What I would say is that my girlfriend, Emilia, said this to me recently, and it was, it was one of the best compliments I've ever heard. She basically said, I've never seen a man who's so driven for excellence, who, who is that in control of their ego. And I really appreciated that because sincerely I have challenges and I have challenges with self-worth and, and what I'll tolerate in my environment and, and some of the things that I grew up in and trauma and stuff like that. But when it comes to self-confidence, it's really not an issue for me. And so I haven't mentioned t- that in his interview. <laughs> Kevin did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That you just had 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 the self-confidence in spades. 
yeah, self-confidence is there. I, I don't know where this comes from. I've, I've tried to understand what this X factor is. I, I just deeply believe that I'm capable of anything I set my mind to. And, and I just do. Um, so I actually had a client earlier today say, can you help me with my self-confidence? And I said, I can help you with a lot of things. I've never struggled with that. So I, I'm not going to be able to guide you in that area. I do think keeping the promises you make to yourself will help you increase your confidence. And I think working with me will help you do that. But how has it reared its ugly head? I think in an honest conversation here with you, Kim, I think there was a time in my life where arrogance was a problem. I really do. And I would define arrogance as believing you are more capable than your competence level. Mm, to be honest, that's a fantastic definition. Oh, th- thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wish we weren't frozen here so I could see your actual reactions, but it's whatever. <laughs> so that, 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 that definition, believing that you are capable beyond your current competence. I mean, if I were to look at the past uh, times in my life when I felt very arrogant, it was definitely because the competency level that I was at in my career sets, particularly in my e-commerce company, when I had that, that, that was a time that I had a lot more arrogance, I would say than actual confidence. Cause I was just kind of flying, throwing strategies at the wall, trying to figure it out. And that, that level of competence wasn't there. Whereas now it's like, uh, I tell my clients, it ain't bragging if it's true. Like if you've, uh, exactly. been, able, if yep. you've been able yep. to transform someone's life, if you've been able to close multi-million dollar deals, if you've been able to, to achieve certain things, those are things that actually do need to be celebrated to train your reticular activating system, to recognize the celebrations and the achievements. Cause so often we can live by an identity of our mistakes and our failures. It's not celebrated enough. And this is the thing, Kim, I'm just going to be transparent on the show. I'm in great shape. My relationship is on fire. I mean, we're having incredible intimacy. The business is growing and crushing it. Like I have 50 clients between Kevin and I, like life is really good. And me just saying that already is triggering your listeners. Like I just, things are great. We don't celebrate the good enough because it's not, it it sounds so arrogant when in reality, it's just, I'm putting in the work behind the scenes and trust me, my life was not always like that. And so The thing that's important here to understand is that high confidence with low awareness is arrogance. It's dangerous because if you have high confidence that you can squat a thousand pounds and you've never done it before, you are about to break your legs. And I think that a lot of us are guilty of that. I know I have been in the past. If anything, Kim, when you asked me about that original question about what, where has your significance driver butted its head? To be honest, I actually think I went too far the other way. I think I was overly, I had a client once, I really appreciated her telling me this. She said, Alan, I know you talk often about your struggle with arrogance, but if I'm honest, I think you're actually overly modest. I actually think you're way better than you say you are. And I think you're hiding for insecure people. And I've since really come from that frame. My girlfriend actually says the same thing. She's like, honestly, Alan, like you've done 800 coaching calls. Like you, you've got this thing. You're, you've, you're doing it. You're great. You know, you've had people literally say, I paid Tony Robbins $250,000 for, your, for his coaching and you, he never had the courage to tell me what you just told me. I've had people say, David Meltzer, you are 10 times the coach of David Meltzer. Blah, blah, blah. Don't care. Genuinely don't care. I love David Meltzer. I love Tony Robbins. I don't care if I'm better or not than them. Here's what I know. I think it's important for people to live in the truth. And that's my main point is Kim, I don't feel like the significance thing runs me much anymore, but I will say that I worked very, very hard on that. And occasionally it does when I'm triggered, but it's rare. It's much rarer now. I would say it's, it's seconds and moments. It used to be, it used to be much more of a subconscious driver. And I feel like if anything, I might've gone on the other end and, and I could probably lean into my significance. As you can tell, I'm kind of doing that even on the show right now. I'm like really, really speaking the truth about how well I'm really doing rather than hiding because other people aren't doing so well. This last thing I'll, I'll say before we go to the next question, Kim, I realized that honestly, real talk, get me on stage in front of a thousand people. I won't be that nervous. Okay. Sounds egotistical. Don't care. It's the truth. Have me make someone else uncomfortable in my presence makes me very uncomfortable. And so how, how do you make someone uncomfortable? How do you mean 
being a ladder. mirror, being a mirror. Mm. One thing being in shape and trust me, I've been very out of shape. So I know the difference. I went from 160 pound skinny fat, like frail as hell to 220 pounds in six months. So I can tell the difference now that I'm in better shape and I have a bigger stature and I'm six, two, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you when you're around certain people who haven't, haven't been taking fitness seriously, and you've really been dialing it in, you trigger insecurities and very few people don't have insecurity around their physical body. Very, very few, even people that are in great shape have a lot of, a lot of that. And so when we start talking, so for example, I was at an event recently and and I started talking about fitness and people gets really uncomfortable because most of the room, to be quite frank, are pretty out of shape. It is what it is. But if I was talking about fitness in a room full of athletes, which I've done back when I was fitness speaking and fitness coaching and fitness modeling, the insecurity isn't there. It's actually everyone's excited. So what, what, what makes one person insecure makes a different person drawn in. And that's sort of the filters and magnets of the law of attraction. The same is true with money. Same. If you're in a room with struggling business owners, then talking about money will trigger all those insecurities. And it was one of my clients back from 2018. She said she, as, as we were dialing in and, and working through her own money blocks, and she ended up closing over half a million in sales in that year that she worked with me from doing that, the, she said, she realized that people who are wealthy have no problem talking about money. Oh, like, they talk about, talk about all the about time. Their They'll talk yep. about things that they're doing. They'll look for new strategies if they, and, and it's not from an arrogant place. It's from, it's from a space of curiosity. It's from a space of openness and discussions. Just same with being in a room of athletes, same with being in a room of, of parents too. Um, Literally. Yeah. Of being in, in a room with, with parents is a very different conversation than being in a room with single people who don't have kids. The conversation about like what parenting is, is going to be very different. Of course. One is from theory and the other one is from the actual discipline of being in the throes of it, doing, doing the work. hundred percent. And those are two very different worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Instagram land versus reality, right? Very different. Very different. How have you been able to navigate that, those two worlds? Cause I know on your podcast, you've always been very transparent. Both you and Kevin are very open with sharing your stories and, and sharing your experiences. I love the fact that you are two very open and authentic men that have the deep conversations and that are very open and, and fluid with your emotions as well. That, how, how have you seen that play out in your business as, as far as what clients you attract and who you have attracted to grow your podcast to, to the size and the scope that it's grown to? It's an interesting question. It's not what I expected. I think that I anticipated that Kevin and I would have more male listeners. Our, our listeners are, are very heavy on, on female. I mean, it's got to be at least, at least 80%, if not 90%. I mean, I have 15 or so clients, all women aspiring entrepreneurs. I love that because to be completely honest with you, Kim, whatever this deep core thing with men is of like this fear of being incompetent, I think men, statistically speaking, struggle with ego more. I just, I just think they do. I think the feminine is naturally intrinsic. I think the masculine is nat- naturally extrinsic. Trinsic. Mm-hmm. And I think that we all have masculine and feminine within us. But I do think that, I think that that's what I'm surprised by, is I thought we were going to attract more men who wanted to be better and more next level. And in reality, we're actually attracting incredible, aspiring women who want to be next level and who I think want to believe that vulnerable, honest, sincere, and integrous men are out there. We literally have a NLU guest filter right down here. It's literally, we will not have anyone on our show unless they fit these boxes. The first one, character first and integrity over everything. If you don't check that box, we won't even consider you. No ego is the next one. If you don't check that box, good for the ICA. The ICA is your ideal client avatar. I learned that from you and our mutual friend, Summer Scalero. And then uh, the last one is they have to have some perception in the marketplace. So they got to be at least perceived as an expert um, for credibility purposes. But like that character first, that integrity over everything is so unreasonably important to me. I was on a show recently and uh, the woman, she asked me this, her name's Jennifer Watson. She asked me, what does it mean to be next level? And I remember thinking to myself like, well, there's a lot of ways I can go with this. I mean, I could do like the mission and I can do health, wealth, and love, and I can do being holistic and I, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I can, but I'm like, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Real talk. Being next level is who you are when no one is watching. I 
genuinely care more about the workout I'm going to do tonight when I don't want to do it, when no one's watching with no photos, no cameras, no videos, I care more about that genuinely than I do about all of this. And I love this. I'm so honored to be here. But like, I just kind of realized maybe it was the car accident at 26. Maybe it was meeting so many people that let me down when I realized they aren't who they said they are on social media. Maybe it was the combination of all that stuff. I just think what matters, what really matters is who you are when no one's watching. The promises that you make to yourself, are you keeping them? Because for me, all the fame, all the glory, all the significance, all the love, at the end of the day, I think fulfillment is the one thing that matters most. And I think that fulfillment only comes when you're in alignment with your highest self. And I think fulfillment is actually proof of that. Because a donut is pleasurable. Like, of course it is. And I love donuts, straight up. Okay. Oh, delicious. Right. But it's never going to fulfill you as a person, right? That hole can never get filled. And I think that many of us, Kim. That was a good metaphor for a donut. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Many, I grew up. (laughs) I'm going to have one before the gym tonight for sure (laughs) as a pre carb, simple sugar pump. But the point is this though going to the, the donut will be pleasurable. The workout and staying true to who I want to be is going to be fulfilling. And I think that that's what I'm surprised by in our business is that I thought we were going to attract people that are significance driven. When in reality, we're actually attracting only people who are growth driven. And I've actually found that the feminine and females in particular are, are, are really enjoying our show a lot. And I'm so freaking honored. I'm so freaking honored to be a part of like the fact that we haven't had a woman president in the US. Like it's like it bothers me. As a matter of fact, it's like I just I'm excited. The 21st century is the century where we finally have more equality. And I'm just so excited to be a part of that. Genuinely. Genuinely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm very excited for the leadership that we will see taking the stage in a balanced perspective of having not just old white guys. Holistic. <laughs> Literally holistic. Yeah. Like, oh my God, we're missing so much of the picture. Like, yeah, holistic is everything. Yeah. Yeah, the holistic balance. And I think the one thing that, especially with with women, is to not mirror that masculine dominance that has been the pervasive driving factor of the past, you know, couple thousand years. Where instead really leaning into what what is that feminine? The 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 feminine is a powerful energy. It's it's an incredibly powerful energy. I just birthed and like that energy that that women have, but also that feminine energy of creation. That's the beautiful dance of the masculine and the feminine. It's so, so important to be holistic. Everything so how, is yin and yang. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Everything is yin and yang. And how have you found that, that feminine energy and tapped into that so, so easily? It seems you, you and Kevin both seem to have that ability to just really tune in and still maintain your masculinity as two, two strong dudes. I really appreciate that. I really do. The first thing that I'll say is that I think we're genetically masculine, but nurture wise, I was raised by my mother and my older sister and he was raised by his mother and his grandmother and he had no father as well. And so neither one of us had that father figure. I mean, I did have a stepdad for a time, but I don't think I ever fully modeled that. I know that I didn't, if anything, I went in the other direction. And so I think that's why it's come so naturally. I do think it comes naturally. I, I think it's interesting. It, it's become a very, a very unique, for lack of better phrasing, strength. And Emilia has told me this, like she's never been with a man who's able to be more vulnerable and honest. And I've cried. I've cried countless times with Emilia. Like, I mean, just the other night and she and I together. And it's like, I remember asking her, how many times have you seen your father cry? And she said, like, never. Right. And again, I think her father's great. Nothing against him. I just, I just think there's something, it's not a flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the quote that I adore from the last samurai. It's like, there's a stoic front, but I, I detect a deep reservoir of feeling. 
and I break everything down into physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And I think that the feminine is emotional and spiritual. And I think the masculine is physical and mental. And I think we all have all four. And I think that we need to be a yin and yang. We need to be a flow. We need to be a balance. Like we all know that that masculine energy who's good at one thing and nothing else and has tunnel vision. And then we all know that feminine who doesn't have enough masculine to have any structure and they're kind of all over the place and that's okay. But like, how do we, how do we harmonize these? How do we harmonize these? And I think when it comes to Kevin and I, I think it comes natural because we're natural masculines who were nurtured feminine. And I, I think it's become a huge strength in the long run. I, I completely agree. I'd love to circle back to, to one thing that you mentioned about your guest checklist. So you have your guests check these boxes that they have no ego. And so once they do that process, do you like, and you, let's say they come onto your show and you realize that eh, they got a little bit of ego or their value for growth and contribution really isn't hundred percent there. And it's more self-promotion. What is your process for vetting that or navigating that, especially in an interview? Yeah. So Kim, we've had many that we just don't air. We've even told people. So we, we don't just not air it and not tell. We literally say, hey, we're sorry, this is not aligned. We've done that many times. Uh, not many, probably like five or six. But I, Kevin and I now, we trust our gut and our intuition more. And we've learned over time. I mean, we're coming up on 700 episodes and we've interviewed hundreds of people at this point. And you do learn, Kim, you learn. It's like, oh, the online marketing is a thing. And the, the actual product, the mind, body, heart, and soul is not what I thought. And I think Kevin and I are kind of the opposite in the sense of like, I personally, and after, after 26, before 26, I'll admit I was more extrinsically driven and I was definitely going for goals outside myself. And I wasn't as focused on inner growth, but after 26, Kim, I mean, you know, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual growth, like the pa- the product itself, not the packaging, but like who I am as a man, like character over everything, integrity over everything, even when no one's watching, like that has become my focus, even to the detriment of the packaging at times. I mean, I think we're just now starting to get pretty good at marketing, um, which is good. And we have a new marketing director on our team, which is great. But like, I care way more about what's real in my actual life than I do about social media. And I think that's actually part of why I've gotten worse at social media in many regards. For example, Emilia and I's new home, like we just got a new home and most people, the first thing they do is post a photo and that's great. Like for them, I'm not, I'm not hating on that, but I just care more about us optimizing the home and meal prepping and, and loving on each other. And, you know, of course I'll promote, but I think when you put too much focus on the packaging and not enough focus on the product, I think it's a short-term win for a long-term detriment. And I'm not willing to play that game anymore, Kim. Uh, I learned that the hard way after my car accident. So as you look to the vision, because I know that that you and the team of you and Kevin, you are super strong at holding that long-term 10-year vision. And Kevin is more the executioner of the 90 days. How does that balance, how, how do you, how do you a manage that dance? And especially how do you chunk that vision down into manageable bite-sized chunks? Because you are one of the best at breaking something down into a system. That's why you and I get along so well. Oh, <laughs> like, you're so sweet. You're so sweet to me on this, Kim. Thank you so much. So you've got your mission and then you've got your business underneath that. And then you've got your team underneath that. And then you've got your products and services underneath that. And then you've got your clients and customers underneath that. And they all have to be aligned. There's so many businesses out there that it's like, well, it's good for the mission, but bad for the shareholders, or it's good for the shareholders, but bad for the environment. And if it's not a win, 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 it's not a holistic business. And there's so many businesses out there that are like really good for profits or good for the owners, but not for the employees. Right. And so the very top end is mission. The mission is to basically bring personal development to the masses. This is the, the quote, put self-improvement in the pocket of every human being from anywhere in the world at any time, completely free. So Kim, we're doing seven episodes a week now. I remember one time That's my girlfriend asked, oh, <laughs> thank you so much. It's challenging. And we, I like to believe the quality has not taken a hit, which is great. But Emilia asked me one time, what are you most proud of about your, your podcast? And I said that we at the time only had 400 episodes. 400 episodes where it's all talking about self-improvement. You're not going to hear us talking about the weather. You're not going to hear us talking about 
what Trump tweeted. You're not going to hear us talking about anything other than self-improvement. And so as little kids, Kevin and I didn't have a lot of guidance. If we had NLU, if we had Next Level U in our pockets, I'll tell you what, things would have been a little different. I'm grateful for how things turned out, but I'm not naive to think that I needed some guidance as a kid. So that's what we're doing. But to answer your original question, how do we take the big vision and chunk it down into little little bite-sized pieces? This is, this is my reverse engineering mind, and this is how I, how I work. So you've got your lifetime. So I want to live to 120 years old, okay? Then you've got decades. That's 12 decades. Then you've got years, 120 years. Then you've got quarters. Then you've got months. Then you've got weeks. Then you've got days. Then you've got hours. Then you've got minutes. Then you've got seconds. So does your seconds roll up to what you want to accomplish in 120 years? And so I think life is a bunch of finite games within an infinite game. And I'll give your listeners an example. So this podcast episode is a finite game. It's got an hour long and it's got specific questions. And an infinite game is I want to be the best public speaker, podcaster, and educator to ever live. That's an infinite game. I'll never actually get there. This is one episode on my way to that, to that unachievable. So we're all sort of achieving to the unachievable. But to answer your original question about day to day, Basically, what you do is you take your life vision and you chunk it into your daily routine. I break my daily routine into three subsections. The first section is the morning. Second is the afternoon. Third is the evening. First third is for me. This is where I pour into myself. Second third is for service. Starts at 10 a.m., goes to 6 p.m. I'm making an exception right now since Kim is in Australia, (laughs) by, by the way. And then the third third is for recharge, rest and relaxation and quality time with Emilia. And the first third for me has fitness in it as well, by the way. So that's kind of how we chunk it. We also have something called peak performance tracking where we have a daily dozen. All my clients are on it. All the NLU team uh, is on it and Kevin's on it as well. And so am I. And it's basically like, what are the habits that are going to keep your life headed in the right direction? How do we take that amazing creative feminine energy and how do we hone it up towards your true North, uh, which is your mission? Hopefully that answers your question. (laughs) It does. It does. And Kevin spoke on the daily dozen. And so what are a few of those daily dozen tasks, habits, practices that you have? What out of the dozen have been the most two to three significant? The first one, the very first one I do. So the very first one is hydrate stimulant plus morning mindset workout. So I have a morning mindset playlist on my YouTube. It's actually public. So if you wanted to go see it, you could uh, just YouTube Alan Lazarus. And it's, it's called a morning mindset workout. The very first video is called Ode to Excellence. My good friend, Eddie Pinero, we've co-hosted events together. He, this was his very first inspirational YouTube video. Every single morning, Kim, I kid you not, did it this morning. <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I take a water bottle and I put caffeine in it. And I listen to my morning mindset workout. And this primes me for my day. Now there's Ode to Excellence. Then there's another one by Tyrese Gibson. And then there's a a third one that's kind of like a motivational compilation. It's got like Arnold Schwarzenegger and some other people. But basically that is the very first one that I start my morning with. That's the one that's been consistent for six and a half years. I've not missed a single morning. I've never gone a day without a morning mindset workout. I will admit that sometimes I do my morning mindset workout in the afternoon or in the evening if I miss the morning. But generally speaking... I can say with confidence that for six and a half years straight, I've never not listened to Ode to Excellence. And Ode to Excellence, Eddie Pinero, my buddy, he was writing a letter to himself. It's a letter of greatness, of like a call to action to his highest self. Um, and if anyone wants to listen to it, shout out to Eddie and shout out to Ode to Excellence. We you can just totally put that in the show notes. <laughs> I told Eddie, yeah. I appreciate that. I told Eddie, I'm like, you can attest at least 4,000 of your listens to me. <laughs> Kim, I got to tell you a quick little side tangent just because we're friends. Eddie and I, after we co-hosted an event, we had a little falling out. And he's like, if you want any testament to whether or not Alan is committed to his goals, he still listened to my video every single day, even when we were fighting, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Like, Eddie, I still love you, man. Like, I know I'm, you know, I might have jeffed you, but I still love you. I'm still listening to your video every day. I don't even care. Okay, you have to explain <laughs> what Jeff and you is. All right. So very short story. So Kevin used to come to the studio. We'd podcast. And usually he would text in. He'd say, I am here. And uh, autocorrect, I am Jeff. 
And I said, I am also Jeff. And so simple, stupid story. And literally from then on, we used to have a motto called fail forward. Everyone's probably heard of that. Now we call it Jeff and forward. Our whole team uses it. My clients say it. It's just whoever Jeff is. I apologize if you're out there listening and your name is Jeff. I apologize. But yeah, we're out here. Jeff and is what we say. Well, I just want all our listeners to just hone in on that beautiful nugget of company and mission culture is that is a little silly thing, but it's something that has bonded you and Kevin, you with your partners. Like I know about Jeffin. (laughs) (laughs) It's your whole team does it and you have your clients aware of it. And so it creates this almost like an insider thing. And so the Princess and the Bee listeners from Fairy, you're now on the inside of the Jeffin. And, and this, this is something that, that creates that camaraderie and that culture that is why, I mean, you've been able to have 700 episodes, top 100 podcasts, and have so much success with having that community because you have these little inside nuggets of Jeffin. It's been wild, Kim. And and I had a, a client of mine, super successful orthodontist, multimillionaire, amazing human being. And that's what matters to me more than all the accolades, like amazing human being. And she was like, on our last call, she literally said that she's been Jeffin. And I was like, Fuck yeah, yes, Jeffin. <laughs> yeah. Are you Jeff and forward? And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, if you study culture and team, and there's a great book by Daniel Coyle called The Culture Code. He mm-hmm. talks about belonging cues. And that's what that is. We all want to be a part of something. And, and I think it's, uh, yeah, so all your listeners are now out here Jeffing as well. What is the difference to you between fitting in and belonging? What a fire question, Kim. Belonging is being aligned with who you aspire to be in a group who also aspires to be themselves and accepts you for who that is. Whereas fitting in is kind of appeasing who someone else thinks you should be so that you can get love uh, externally, which is a big time losing game that I've definitely fallen for, for sure. I know that you and I were speaking before the show, before we started recording about this kind of almost the societal culture of like fitting in and, and people feeling a drive to please and, and losing their own self-awareness and autonomy. Can you, can you speak on, on that just a bit? about what a society as, as a whole, what the world would look like as a whole, if we all found those piece, places of belonging versus trying to fit in with other uh, standards. On podcasts that I've been on, there's always that question at the tail end, which I love, which is like, what is the one takeaway that you'd give to my listeners? And it always comes to the same exact thing, which is choice. And that's what we were talking about before the show. That's what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. My mom said life's about choices. Like that's the one thing and it's not just choice of like, am I going to eat here or not? It's, it's what you say, think, do, feel, believe. But more importantly, I've actually found this to be true. It's actually more important what you don't say, what you don't think, what you don't do, what you don't believe. And this deep-seated belief that people have, and I've been guilty of this too at times, at times, but I work proactively on it that you should be the way they think you should be. One of the things that, that I, I struggle with in this industry of self-improvement, and I got to be honest with you here, is that everybody's kind of telling you their own ice cream flavor, and they're not really giving you the holistic picture. Um, so behind me, next level, you life, love, health, and wealth. It's a holistic thing. And I think that's another reason why our listeners are mostly women is because I think women tend to be more holistic thinking. Men tend to just, you know, if you man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And so the thing that bothers me about this industry is that everyone's kind of telling you their way, but there's no one size fits all approach to life. There's no one size fits all approach to anything because we're all so unique. There's principles and there's guidelines and there's definitely like laws of the universe, but we all have to decide for ourselves who we are, who we aspire to be, what our core values are, what our core beliefs are. And so To answer your original question, I think that some people believe that other people should be the way they believe they should be. God, that's a mouthful. (laughs) How confusing it would be to live life like that. Right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I personally, like Kim, genuinely, and I hope that you get this from me and this is not just talk. I actually want you to 
do what you believe, even if I disagree. It would be outside of alignment. Like, let's say hypothetically, I want you to wear, I want to wear a mask and you don't. Okay. I actually want you to not wear one if that's what you believe is best. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but I think that conditional love is a virus and you shouldn't take away acceptance and take away belonging just because someone doesn't believe what you believe. That's how some of the most heinous, horrible things have happened is everyone deciding this is the the way and this is the race everyone should be. And this is the, the way everyone should think. Like, I think that diversity is everything. I think it's wonderful. And I think we can all work in harmony if we can get out of our out of this consciousness that people are supposed to be like us. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I love the, cause diversity is such a high value for me. And it also, it, to be diverse, it also includes diversity of thought, diversity of perspective and allowing for that, that discussion, the diverse discussion, because how boring would life be if everybody was exactly the same? Oh my God. I mean, I'm so happy that you love calculus <laughs> because now I can send Declan to you instead of me having to learn it. Like, exactly. I'm zone. <laughs> exactly. I would love to tutor Declan in math for <laughs> anywhere from 150 to $1,500 an hour. So let me know. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let just, you know. I'll, I'll just... let you know in, in 20 years, he'll be paying for it himself. Ex- exactly. In, actually, exactly. in 10 years, he's got nine businesses now, apparently up and down the Gold Coast. So, oh, perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. I want it. One is an ice cream truck that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, looking looking at that vision of what what you want to create with next level university and having personal development basically be like what Steve Jobs said, a thousand songs in your pocket. It's how has mentorship who guided you since you didn't have the mentor of a father, what mentors have you sought out to guide you and why, why, Mm -hmm. why did you choose them? I appreciate you. I think, I think in a way they chose me. um, And I think in a way I chose them. I've had many, many mentors and I could, I could name them. My aunt Joanne mentored me for a time. One of my mentors was the CEO of iRobot. Brilliant, brilliant man. Um, Nick Cavuto. I mean, Brant Pinvidic mentored me for a time. You've mentored me in many ways. My girlfriend, Emilia mentors me all the time. Um, I've had a coach one time named Alex Goad. I mean, oh my God, that was fire. And I could, Dr. Robert Scott, I can keep going, going, going. One thing that I will say is that, but before 26, I didn't have conscious mentors. I think mm. I sought guidance, but I don't think I, I gave them the mentor cap. And I think that because of that, I probably wasn't as much of a student as I could have been. But here's what I will say. Everything has a disclaimer if you want to think about it another layer deeper. I actually think that after 26 years old, I overswung the pendulum because I didn't have as many conscious mentors prior to 26 that then I just considered everyone a mentor. And I put the student cap everywhere I went. I put on the student cap. Kim, I've actually come to a new place, a new chapter in my life where quite frankly, there are very few people at this point that I feel have more holistic awareness Mm -hmm. to where they can mentor me. So here's what I would say to your listeners. The higher you aim, the more you're going to have to grow, especially if it's from a place of growth and contribution. The higher you aim, the higher your standards will have to be. And the higher your standards will have to be, the more consistent you'll have to be. And when you're more consistent, you're going to have more growth. You're going to have more more development. And it's going to be harder and harder and harder as you climb to find people who can sincerely mentor you from a place of higher awareness. So here's what I've now started doing, Kim. I've now been cherry picking mentors, for lack of better phrasing, in only their area. So Kim, there's no question that you know you have higher awareness than I do in certain arenas. And by the way, you'll notice every time we hang out, I'm always asking you about those particular things. I asked Mm -hmm. you last time about the morning of the loss of your father, because I know that's something that I might have to deal with one day. So I'm always trying to, to go to the place in advance of the expert that I think is, can actually be a guide from true experience. Mm -hmm. And so what I've stopped doing though, is blanketing the mentor cap. And I know that this has probably caused you a lot of harm in your past as well, where you gave someone the mentor cap and you realized in hindsight, like, ah, that guidance was predicated on insecurity. That guidance was predicated on arrogance or low competence or low awareness. 
And so now what I do is I, I have a specific mentor for fitness. His name's Nate Smithson. I have a specific mentor for business. I won't tell you his name because he's a super private guy. Um, I have a specific mentor for spiritual. And I don't allow almost anyone to wear that guide cap in every arena because very quickly I realized, like, honestly, in fitness, this person really should not be guiding me. <laughs> you know, and, and so as you grow and develop for your listeners, you're going to have to be more and more specific about mentorship. But if you're in the beginning, I mean, put on that student cap and go, just be careful and make sure you're not taken advantage of in any, in any regard financially or otherwise. Yeah. I, I had the same pendulum swing from 2016 when I, when I really took my business pro into beyond 2018 and then dialed it back to really being selective on, on whose mentorship I was seeking, especially as as I started to face more and more challenges as a mom, I found, found it very challenging to listen to mentorship that from people who weren't parents, right? Because that was, it, 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 different it's a game. Ball game. Different yeah. Game. And, and I had one client who said, you know, I love your coaching. Um, she's like, I'm needing some coaching from the single mom perspective. I was like, great. Cause I can't give you that. Like, I know what it's like to have a really amazing supportive partner in parenting. Right. And I don't know how to do like, I honestly think you're a goddess for doing it by, <laughs> by yourself Literally. Um, because that's something that I, I had, that's a path I haven't been able to trot and I couldn't guide from that perspective of having been there, nor would I, nor would I want to. Kim, um, I'm, I'm a new homeowner and a new doggy dad. And I'll tell you what, dad. I'm oh, a doggy dad. Thank you. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it's been humbling. So I have, I have nothing but respect for you, Kim. Um, I know a dog is nothing in comparison to when I'm going to be a father. So I'm excited. Uh, they still poop a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard for the fir- first few years, things. they're fairly stationary. So that's good. <laughs> no, yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. Once, once they get moving, like Declan is now at a whole new level of, oh, yeah. He's sprinting. I, like I have worked with some amazing coaches, but nobody has coached me better than him, um, on really bringing to light all the things that I would prefer not to be brought to light that I'm just like, Oh, I got to deal with that one now. All right, cool. Your kids, your kids will definitely bring things forward. They'll test you. They'll test you. I thought I had that, that belief system or that, that fear handled. And yeah, it was, Declan has been a gift, such a gift in so many ways. Colton is, is at a very different, he, he's experiencing me as a mother from a very different place. For sure. Um, And it's, it's different with the second one too. Cause you've Um, evolved so much since when you had Declan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the evolution continues just like when you have your next dog or when you have your kid, like the evolution will, will be different. Yes, it will. Yes. It so will. I have loved our conversation, Alan. I always love our conversations. Um, let's move into a little bit of a rapid fire. Shall rapid we? Fire. Let's rock. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what would you have done differently? Uh, focus on the essentials. So 80, 20 rule, if you take 20% of 20%, you get 4%. If you take 20% of 4%, you get 0.8%. You can take 20% of 0.8%. You get 0.16%. In the whiteboard over here on the left, since this is rapid fire, it says Allen's essentials only in parentheses 0.16%. So everyone out there, you can only optimize for one thing at a time. If you're optimizing for a mission, there's certain things that matter 10 times more than others. You got to focus on those. That's what I would do. Mm. Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Uh, Hunger Games. It was uh, Katniss Everdeen. And I would just say unbelievable courage. I don't think she was the most talented or the most skilled. I just think that she was service driven and she did it for her little sister. And it's so fucking inspiring. Am I allowed to swear on this? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It was so fucking inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) And you already did. Oh, did I? Okay. (laughs) I don't know if I dropped an F bomb. Did I? Okay. (laughs) You totally did. I forgot when. You totally did. Okay. Okay. What woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? Uh, Emilia. Any woman in all of time and history. Emilia. Emilia Smith. She is sincerely the most magnificent human I've ever personally met. I think that. In my life, the closer I've gotten to someone, typically a lot of the pedestal has has gone down. It's If anything, it's gone up. Uh, she is just the best human being I've ever met in my entire life. She physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, growth, contribution. And, and one thing I'll say, sincerely the most growth-oriented people I've met. And Kim, I've met some growth-oriented people. Okay, I'm telling you, 
the most growth oriented person I've met, like, like has had me checking my ego a little bit of like, am I as growth oriented? Like, I kind of want to watch this show, you know? Um, so, uh, she's just unbelievable. So Emilia for sure. Amazing. What is the most powerful thing in your evening routine? I know normally I ask the morning routine, but you already shared that that drives you for the success in the morning. Quality time with Emilia, uh, our deep conversations. So we have something, we do relationship talks. And uh, as you know, I bring, provide context with every answer. I know this is rapid fire, so I'll go quick. So we're 42 weeks into relationship talks where we do relationship coaching. We actually have a married couple client that's doing tremendous. We basically have these 18 conscious love languages. So not the five love languages, 18. And one of them is deep conversations. So critical. Emilia and I have more deep conversations than anyone ever um, than I've ever personally had, I should say. And they're so unbelievably cup filling and the breakthroughs. And I just, I get after my day because we, we go to bed marinating on all of the incredible vision oriented conversations that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when, when uh, you had Spike and I on your podcast and we talked, I think, I believe we talked about couch time. Oh yeah. Uh, that's part of our connection is really having that couch time together. And it's been, it's been a priority in our in our marriage and especially if we as we become parents as well because that's when we can discuss how we can better you know address something with Declan or with Colton and being able to have that navigate those developments that are happening in the moment you've read the book the conscious parent have you have you I haven't it? okay yeah. you're yeah, I, I in my opinion it. you're you're a conscious parent and i i adore that because I think unconscious parents have caused a lot of suffering unintentionally. Um, so yeah, I just love that you and Spike are doing that. Oh, thank you. And so what would you consider to be your kingdom? My kingdom? Ah, uh, it's interesting. I, the gym, I, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. As a matter of fact, Kim, when I'm not on point in fitness, I'm not me. It's like interesting. Right now I am on fire with fitness. I feel fucking so good. The gym. I absolutely adore the gym. Yeah. And lastly, how do you crown yourself? I think that coaching, I've learned what I've broken down into four things that I think are the most valuable uses of my time. One is team development, which is basically coaching the NLU team. Number two is coaching and consulting. Number three is speaking on a stage. Number four is podcasting. But I think that in all of those, I'm doing this one same thing, which is basically injecting belief into people so that they'll strive higher. I have trouble not doing that. I remember we had a, a man by the name of Stephen Kotler on the show, and he wrote a book called The Art of Impossible. I've got it back here. And he's like one of the world's most renowned neuroscientists in the world. And Kevin and I got on the show and and it was two days after that when we were doing the Father's Day thing. And it's funny that we're talking about this because this circle back. Father's Day, we went fishing. And I went back to my hometown and I saw my best friend when I was growing up. He was my best friend growing up. I met him when he was four and I was five. And I saw his whole family and I loved it. I enjoyed them so much. We had a barbecue and all that. But I told Kevin, Kevin was freaking out on the Stephen Kotler interview. Like genuinely, he was so scared. And I said, Kev, to be completely honest with you, and this is just real for me. Like I was more comfortable being me with Stephen Kotler than I was at that family barbecue. And I think that I have trouble in environments that aren't trying to get better. And I realized that if someone is not growth oriented, I, I have always rubbed them the wrong way because I just don't know how not to be like that. Um, I don't want to talk about the weather, Kim. I just don't, I don't care. Um, unless we're talking about climate change, in which case let's do better. But like, that's my superpower. I think is just, just aspiration. I'm a very future oriented aspirational dude. And, and I am finally leaning into that to a whole nother level. Yeah. That's what, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you and Kevin both on It's one of the reasons why you and I have always gotten along is because of that, that ambition is not something that you or I have a problem with. <laughs> and we have I a think, problem with the opposite. It, well, and I think it, it goes uh, to one of my favorite quotes from the greatest showman. Most people suffer too, from imagining too little than imagining too much. For sure. And, and that ability to stoke people's belief systems and stoke people's imagination. And I too struggle with being in conversation that it seems 
like just small talk and it's like that's like suffocating for me <laughs> same so same kim the the ability to be in a room of of people who are growth minded and to challenge that like i honor you finding finding your tribe and and creating your space of belonging an entire next level university that anyone can attend at any time from your pocket. So Alan, where can we find you? How can we listen to your podcast? How can we work with you and Kevin? I know you guys have some amazing things in the works. So share away. You have been unbelievably sweet to me, Kim. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on. If anyone resonated with who I am or what I do or Kevin or Next Level You, I like Next Level University, but I like Next Level You better. Because next level you, it really does come down to you. Let, let all of us sweep our own porch and the whole world will be clean. If you want to live a more virtuous life, if you want to make better choices and actually learn how to do that and have someone hold you accountable, um, the podcast can hold you accountable. We have group coaching. We have one-on-one coaching. We have all kinds of cool stuff. Reach out. So you can find us on YouTube. You can find us on any podcast app, Spotify, all of that. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Between my assistant and myself, I get back to every single DM on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and you can email me, alan at nextleveluniverse.com. Again, alan at nextleveluniverse, not university, universe.com. And uh, my assistant, again, answers every email. And if you want to coach, just say that in the email and we'll jump on a call figure it out. It's probably cheaper than you think because I want early entrepreneurs as well as some of the ones that are farther along. I have some clients that are multimillionaires and that's great, but I have some clients that are just starting out and that's also great. So uh, reach out. As always, my fellow empire builders and sovereigns, remember to own your throne, mind your business because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crownyourselfnow or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.